take for granted what he wants to do. How many knows he wants to do something in your life? He don't just want to save you. Amen. He wants to be your, your friend. He wants to love on you, guide you. He wants to stand in your defense along the way and along the journey of life. When the enemy comes in like a flood, he wants to stand with you and in you. He wants to speak his word to your heart and to your life. Amen. And you grow day by day in your journey, becoming more and more like him and becoming more dependent upon him. I'm more dependent on him than I've ever been in my life. Amen. Stand with me, if you will, all over the church as we get into the Word of God this morning. Bless the Lord. How many is more dependent on Him today than you were yesterday? Amen. You find out real quick that, that, that He's the only one you can depend on when you reach things and places in your life that you have no control over, that you have no power over. I think a lot of people today need to reach that place where they realize, hey, I don't have control of this. I don't have control of my life. I want to let the Lord have control of my life. Let him guide me. Let him be my Lord, my Savior, my Master. I want to turn with me in the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 5. I want to share with you this morning from the Word of God. This season we celebrate Thanksgiving. A lot of people are going to be sitting around the table with turkeys Figuring I might get somebody to smile. <laughs> Going to be sitting around the table with a turkey. Amen. Cooked. Hallelujah. A cooked turkey. And you're going to be giving thanks to God. And you're going to fellowship with those family and friends. If you're able, some people won't be able to gather this year, but they're still going to be celebrating, giving God thanks. Don't you believe that's something we ought to do every day? I think we ought to get out of our bed and say, Lord, thank you for another day. God, guide me in this day. Lord, I want to give you thanks for what you've done. First Thessalonians, Paul was talking to the church at Thessalonica. Verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 18, he said these words, In everything... Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, notice one particular word. We're going to pray. One particular word that I want you to get a hold of this morning. He said, in everything. He didn't say for everything. He said, in everything. How many has got some things in your life that's happened to you that you're not thankful for? Amen. Come on, somebody. You're not thankful to get a report from the doctor that tells you, my goodness, you're going to have to deal with some things. We're going to have to treat you. You're not thankful for those things. You're not thankful when you when you go and you 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 look in your account and you find out that you don't have what you thought you had or you're struggling in a long life's journey or you're going through some difficult times in your life. You're not thankful for those moments where the enemy came against you and came and fought you and, and put you through literal hell. But, but Paul didn't say be thankful for. He said in all things. 
which means that I can be thankful no matter what evil has come my way. Come on, somebody. I can be thankful and rejoice even in the midst of my trials. Paul said, I will glory in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. But he also said trials will come our way and, and evils will come our way. And we can learn how to give thanks to God in everything and have joy in everything. You won't find joy in the elements of the enemy and his sinful acts against your life. But that's not where God told you to find joy. God said you'd have joy in the Holy Ghost. For it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. You ask me, do you need the Holy Ghost? Yes, you do, because you can't find joy in its fullness without the moving of the Holy Ghost in your life to help you through everything the enemy will throw your way. Whatever the doctor says, find joy in the Holy Ghost and give thanks in it, because I'm telling you this, that you'll find victory in joy and thanksgiving to God more so than you will coming up under the umbrella of that attacking your life and allowing it to suppress you. Come on somebody. Give my I'm telling you it's time to lift our voice in thanks. It's time to get out of ourselves and get in God and let the Holy Spirit of God fill our lives and refresh us and renew us and put a renewed joy and thanks in our spirit again. Come on somebody. We drag into the house of God like we've lost everything in our life and we struggle to give him praise but he didn't say give thanks for what you're going through give thanks in what you're going through it may not look good but I praise you anyway it may be tough but my goodness God's got my back and he's going to see me. I'm going to give him thanks even when I hadn't seen the victory it's on the way I'm going to give him Oh, my child ain't saved yet, but hold on. I'm going to give him praise. Amen, my grandchildren. I need to see them saved. Hold on. I'm going to give him praise for the Lord is strong and mighty. And there is not a power of hell that can keep him from extending his grace to your family, to this community. I want to say this morning, goody, goody devil. I'm telling you this morning, God has let me know not everybody's going to go, but God has let me know he's got SPHC. And he's got me. And he's got you. Amen. How does he have me? How does he have you? He's had his hand on you all the while. Why do you think the enemy comes? Why do you think the enemy comes to oppress you, to make you sad? Oh, my goodness. 
Let's don't wait to November. Amen. To give God thanks. Everything's all right. Why do you think the enemy fights? Why has he fought SPHC? Why has he fought families of SPHC? Why has he fought so hard? Because he knows that the anointing will flow through us. But if he can get us discouraged, we'll quench the spirit. I want to ask, is anybody in this building right now, I say, preacher, I want to make a declaration with you that no matter how hard things get, I'm going to depend fully on the Lord and I am not going to let him suppress me from walking in the Spirit, from living by the Spirit, from rejoicing in the Spirit, from giving thanks in the Spirit. I don't care how bad I feel. I'm going to lift my voice to God and I'm going to praise him. I don't care what the doctor says. I'm going to give him thanks and praise because if the enemy thinks that he can keep you suppressed, he's going to stop the anointing from flowing in your life and in the church. You know what? He's tried that many times with me. He's an accuser of the brethren. He likes to point out what you're doing wrong, but God said, I'm going to tell you, keep your eyes on me, and I'm going to lead you in what to do and do it right and do it in anointing and do it in glory, and do it in God's grace. The enemy wants to suppress you because if he can suppress you, then he can stop folk from receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If he can suppress you, he can keep people from coming to the altars and surrendering their lives to God. If he can suppress you, he can keep people from being drawn to the facility and where you worship. I'm telling you today, if there's anybody who is spreading a sour negativity that is causing folk to be driven away, then shame on you. But let's for us to have faith, let us rise up and declare the glory of God and believe that his anointing We'll press past the negativity and draw lost and broken lives to him. It's time, even in this generation. Don't you know I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to go, but I feel the Holy Ghost. In Kentucky right now, they're closing churches down again. You know what they need to close down? They need to close down Congress and the Senate for a little while. They want to shut God out and close him down, but I'm talking about a God who moved upon people's lives in the book of Acts that no weapon formed against them prospered. Do you believe that we can live? I'm not saying be unwise and not be, not be compassionate. I'm telling you, do you believe that the same power that worked through Paul, John, and James can work through us? Oh, no, they want to shut us up because we are the hope, amen, of all humanity today. Oh, God, I'm not judging nobody for staying home and taking care of yourself. I'm not judging nobody for wearing a mask. But the last thing we need to shut down is the church. Someone would say, well, preacher, the building is not the church. The Bible said, forsake not the assembly of yourselves together. If you're able to gather together in the house of God, let me tell you something. If it wasn't important to God, God would not have had them to build it. And then he would not have them to build it again. Come on, somebody. The house of God is a place where we come together 
is the body. It don't need to be shut down. We may have to make some changes in how we do things in Curtis, but we're not going to shut God down in our life. We're going to give him thanks that even in the midst of COVID-19, yeah, even in the midst of pandemics, he's still God. In the midst of elections that we don't know which way they're going to go, he's still God. In the midst of the courtroom where we don't know what judge is going to prove and what judge is going to overthrow, he's still God. In the midst, I wish somebody would give him thanks right now because no matter what's happening, he is still God today. He's still God. You believe that? He's still God in all things. No matter who's president, we're going to give God thanks. No matter what 2021 holds, we're going to give God thanks. The biggest truth of it all is we don't know how close we are, but I believe it's very, very near to the coming of the Lord. Very, very near. It's time, church. I've got to hurry, got to hurry. Father, we ask you to bless this word. God, that you would speak to the whole of us. Speak to the heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl that's in this sanctuary watching by social media today. Oh, let your glory just begin to rest upon them, the Holy Spirit of God. Quicken them. Lord, let them, Father, find that place of joy and thanksgiving again in their life and find it in you. Lord, let us, Father, lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and begin to run with patience this race that is set before us. Father, becoming dependent, fully dependent on you. And God, we'll find joy unspeakable and full of glory on our journey as we begin to do these things. In the name of Jesus, we pray and declare and everybody said amen. And amen. Look at somebody around you and tell them I'm going to see a victory. Amen. Paul, hallelujah, began to say, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God. Oftentimes we spend our lives in the mully grubs, in places of depravity in the spirit. Oftentimes we were not careful, we find ourselves living in a place in our lives that is depressing and depressive, not only for us but for those around us. Paul was telling the church at Thessalonica that we're going to face uh, certain trials and certain problems in life, but you must understand that it's God's will that we learn how to give thanks in everything. It, it is not an indication that you are thankful for the things that are not of God in your life that have happened to you outside of your control or even under your own influence. But it is an indication that life apart of all the, 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 the things that go on in it has one central 
factor in your life that makes it all worthwhile, and that is simply this, that he is Lord of your life. If you don't know him as Lord of your life, then you lack that central truth that makes life have meaning. I've read uh, many times stories and love stories about men and women who fall in love and uh, they write books later on about them and one of them would say to the other, you're the one who makes life have a meaning in, your, in my life. And, and I can agree with that to a certain degree, but I want to tell you that your life has no full meaning without Christ in it. Without him as Lord and Savior of your life, your life has no true meaning. Everything that happens in your life without Christ, you leave this world without him, that it does not matter who loved you, amen, in the end, or how much they loved you, or how much you attained in life. If you did not know the love of Christ Jesus, the Savior, none of that love will deliver you in death to an eternal joy of glory. I'm thankful today for the elements of love that I've experienced as I preached on last week. I'm grateful for that, but this morning I'm grateful to know that he alone is my Lord. He's my master. I found joy. Sometimes we get so busy in life and we forget. Amen. How many has ever just forgot? Be honest. Sometimes we forget just how much he means to us. We get so busy in life and sometimes we need to just step back and and be reminded how much he loves us and how much that we love him. I begin to pray this morning. I said, God, you know my heart. And you know, Lord, how much that I dearly love you. And Lord, as Peter began to answer the question, as Jesus asked him, do you love me? And in the third instance, he began to respond in an agape love. As I prayed, I began to respond to the Lord in an agape love. Lord, I love you more than life itself. I love you, amen, more than anything, any of the blessings of life. But God, I'm thankful today because you have let me know that I have a reason to give thanks in the midst of it all. Come on, somebody. Oh, Paul did not misspeak when he laid before them the importance of giving thanks. Giving thanks gives honor and glory to God. Living in the mully grubs gives the enemy what he wants. Living in the depravity spiritually of joy and thanksgiving is what the enemy wants. He doesn't want your religion to be appealing. He doesn't want your faith to be drawing. He wants it to look like the most miserable thing that anybody could ever be a part of. If he does that, he succeeds today in allowing you to be and us to be the light. Oh, but God wants us to rise above what the enemy wants and to give him what he desires, what his will is. And today I want to tell you that when we give God thanks, 
the enemy is shaken by the glory of God upon the praise that comes upon your lips. I don't care if it's on Sunday morning or riding down the road in your car headed to work. Give God thanks today. I don't care if it's in a hospital. Give God thanks today. I don't care if it's walking down the hall of your home. Give God thanks today. It glorifies God and it shakes the enemy's world. One thing I believe that he could not understand is how can somebody give thanks under so much persecution and so much pain. But I want to tell somebody today that I have met a God who has an anointing that will sustain you through the greatest of pains and be able to give you by his spirit the strength to shout out a father, amen, and to give him praise in your life. This morning, there are five things that I want to touch on quickly. The reasons why we should lift our voice in thanksgiving, number one is because of his mercy. For we ourselves, the Bible said in Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 7, were once also foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness, come on somebody, when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior having then been justified by his grace we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life in verse amen to God number five it said according to his mercy he saved us I'm so grateful today that God looked upon my life amen a life that did not deserve help it did not deserve hope it did not deserve eternity he looked upon me and he didn't look upon me with judgment or hate or despair or disgust or disappointment he looked upon me in love and said I want to show mercy to you yeah, I wish somebody would shout glory if we become the church that'll look through the eyes of love again amen and begin to extend mercy blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy blessed are come on somebody the peacemakers he came to make peace with our soul through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. When he came, he met, he came to bring mercy. That don't mean that God is not a God of judgment and judgment's on the way. But we're living in a grace period of mercy. He's looking around for somebody who will let him throw out a lifeline to their life and say, come on, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, 
and I'll give you rest. He's looking for somebody who is living in blatant sin. He's looking for somebody, amen, who is lost in drugs and alcohol. Somebody who is a prostitute. Somebody who's an alcoholic. Somebody whose home's broken. The ones that many turn their nose up at. He's looking at them through the eyes of love and saying, I come to give you mercy today. I'm so thankful. Praise God that he looked into our lives through the heart of love and mercy. The Bible begins to tell us about a woman who the word said was called in adultery. This woman she was called in the act of sin The scribes and the Pharisees literally caught her. One of them might have been in there with her. I don't know. Probably that way in the world today. It's the guilty that want to shout the loudest. Oh, let's take him to G. Take her to Jesus. And let's get his opinion on what should take place here. They're they're hanging their hope on the law of Moses that said that she should be stoned. Up until that point, I'm sure many were stoned for that very act. But I'm so glad today, and I'm sure she was, that they took time to take her, take her to Jesus. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. I'm glad today they took time to take her to Jesus instead of taking her out to the stoning ground and say, here we are now. You've, you've sinned and we're going to stone you, the law of Moses. Say your last prayer, eat your last meal, but this is your last day. No, no, no. They had a trick up their sleeve. They thought they were going to trip Jesus up, and the very one that they placed before him was the very one that they, that they, that they had accused and called the act that they were hoping and waiting on Jesus to confirm that the, that the, uh, uh, the result would have been uh, uh, following the law of Moses. And here she was, should have been dead, but they threw her at the feet of Jesus. How many should have been dead, but somehow Jesus came into your life? Somehow. One day Jesus stepped in. He stepped into your circumstance. He stepped into your situation. He stepped into your life. I'm so glad they threw her down at Jesus' feet. I want to tell you, the devil's been dumb enough to do that to many in his life, to throw them down at the feet of Jesus and say, you believe that this Jesus is the Savior of the world? Do you really believe it? And when they found out that Jesus began to look at her in a way they wasn't looking at her, 
labor. I want to tell you, some of you are looking at your labors in a way that Jesus ain't looking at them. And you need to turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. Look full in his wonderful face. He's not looking at people like some people are. He's looking through the eyes of love. He's looking for avenues of grace. He's looking for mercies. Amen to be renewed. He threw her down there. Jesus knelt down in the sand. He began to write in the sand. What, 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 what should we do? Moses' law said she should be stoned. Yeah. I would have said. Oh, they just couldn't wait for him to be stoned. For her to be stoned. I believe that's what they wanted. Some people rejoice in the fall of others. They want to point out that sin so they can shine bright. Look at me. Let me tell you, I don't care who you are, how Holy Ghost feel you are, how many gifts you operate in, it's only by God's grace. (laughs) Nothing is of you. If self-righteousness gets in the midst of it, then it accomplishes nothing. But I believe they wanted, they wanted her to be stoned. Jesus stood up and he said, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. He speaks to the woman and he says, Woman, where are thine accusers? She turns around. I'm sure she's sitting there nervous. Wondering what in the world. And she turns around and she sees they're not there. Where where have they gone? They have had to step back when the truth stepped in. They had to disappear when the king of glory began to speak into somebody's life. Let me tell you something today. You don't get to make a determination as to what God wants to do when it concerns his mercy and grace. He is the Lord of mercy and we are his people. Looks around and said, no, 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 no. Nobody's here. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I don't believe she went and laid in another man's bed after that. Unless it was her husband. Come on, somebody. I don't believe she ran down to the bar. Amen. And celebrated with a shot of tequila. I don't believe she left that place the same woman she was 
but I believe that she left with a thankful heart. I should have been stoned today. Oh, but the master, a man of all creation, met me out in the midst of my despair. And he said, I'm not going to stone you. I'm giving you a lifeline. I'm telling you, he's throwing a lifeline out today to those who are steeped in sin. It's called mercy. Mercy. Mercy will rewrite your life and it'll give you a new perspective. Oh, the second thing is, is that he is desiring for us to be thankful for his grace. I wrote a song many years ago. I was under a spiritual attack. Well, I'll go ahead and tell you. Went to a funeral, and this particular man, I think he got saved after this. I went to, to preach a funeral, and there was another couple of people there in, involved. This one particular man I had visited at his home a couple of times. His wife went to church. He didn't. He didn't go to church. He cussed like a sailor. He was the very epitome. By your fruits you know them of sin and not salvation. And I tried my best to minister to him and others along the way, and God was doing something in his life. We got to a funeral one day. After the funeral, I noticed he was, there was a lot of people there. He was there. I didn't get to speak to him. Some of those folks need to listen to that song. The preacher didn't even shake my hand. And they get so upset. Sometimes it ain't the preacher. Hey, I'd love to shake everybody's hands. Sometimes it just don't work, work out, but it don't mean I'm being rude or that I'm wanting to hurt you. Or I love everybody. I wasn't able to, to shake his hand. So got to the graveside, and after the graveside, I, one of my church members come up and said, Preacher, will you go over there and speak to him? said, he's about to have a fit. He'd been going on and on since he left the funeral home, just raking you up one side and down the other because you didn't speak to him. I said, well, sure. And before I could get over there good, I went to stretch out my hand and speak to him and in, 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 in the, the heart that God would have me to have. I, I really love that man. I He went to hollering, oh, you want to speak to me now, don't you? He went to hauling hundreds of people out there making a scene. Let me tell you, that's what the devil wants to do. And that thing broke my heart, embarrassed me, crushed me. I went home, got on my piano. Why are you sharing this? Because I'm human just like y'all. I went home, got on my piano, and God gave me this song. It seems like he always gives me a song in the midst of a, it may not have hit the top 10 or even number one, because it ain't out there, but, but it hits number one in my heart. Hallelujah. Speaks to my life. And the chorus of that song said, When I seek your face, I find your grace ever present to run this race. When I'm down on my knees, praying, Father, help me please. In the name of Jesus Christ, I need your hand in my life.
I need your grace to run this race. Because sometimes people make you want to quit. But deep down inside, there's that Holy Ghost. Amen, stirring that that won't let you quit, that keeps you pressing on. It's the grace of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going quickly through this and I'm going to finish this up. Now, y'all need to hear. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, uh, Paul was dealing with with, with a, 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 a potential to be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations that God was giving him and, and things that he was being shown of the Holy Ghost. And a messenger of Satan came in to buffet him and 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 this was to keep him from being exalted above measure sometimes the enemy comes to keep you in your place you ain't mad with me amen and so he says he prayed three times lord let this depart from me but then the lord said my grace is sufficient for you Oh, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. In other words, we need to depend on God in the moments of our struggle and allow his grace to sustain us in our weakness. I'm telling you, not only am I thankful for his mercy today, I'm thankful for the strength of his grace that keeps me pressing on, that keeps me preaching, that keeps me praying, that keeps me worshiping, that keeps me loving, that keeps me helping, that keeps me ministering, that keep I'm thankful for his grace that keeps me in the midst of temptation. Thankful for his grace that keeps me in my place. God's grace is available in physical and mental despair. It's available in needs and persecutions and distress. All these things that tend to weaken you and to break you down. But it's then you find God's grace is sufficient. Yeah. Number three, I'm thankful for his placement. In Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, he said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Before we were formed, he knew us. Oh, come on, somebody. Your bodies were made to procreate. But our bodies don't give life to what is procreated. Only God does. Amen. Come on, somebody. Oh, preacher, what do you mean by that? God breathes into humanity life and they become a living soul. Your mom and daddy don't get to choose their children and their children don't get to choose their mom and dads. Make sense? There's some people right now wish they had a probably wish they had a different mom and daddy. Probably some mom and dads probably sometime wish they had a different child. I don't thank God for that. Seriously, there are people that are living in that kind of a sinful, hurting, lost place. 
But I want to encourage you today that God placed you wherever you're at. You wasn't no accident. Well, you don't understand. My mother was raped and here I am. God gave you life. Come on down. Well, you don't understand. I was born, I, I was born out of wedlock. I, I, my mother and father wasn't married. I was born in a broken home. Hey, God gave you life. Oh, when Hagar went in there to Abraham, Ishmael was born. Somebody hear what I'm saying today. Ishmael was not an accident. God gave him life. Oh, in the despair of all the brokenness of what had happened, even God said, I'll be with him. Don't you use the excuse that you were born into a messed up situation because God even blessed Ishmael. Amen. I got a ladybug up here just enjoying this message right now. Hallelujah. What do you mean some people were born overseas that would have loved to have been born in America? Some people were born in third world countries that never got to live like we're living today. Never. Do you think? Well, but preacher, I think God was just so good to us. Well, was he not good to them too? Does God not love people? I mean, the Bible said God so loved the world. And so we find out that God even spoke to Jeremiah. said, I knew you before you were formed in the womb. That is not the only one in Scripture that declares this. Even David said this in Psalm 139. He said, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest part of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they were all written and the days fashioned me when as yet there were none of them. Even David said, Lord, you knew me and covered me in my mother's womb. And Paul even said in Galatians uh, chapter 1, he said, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach unto him the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Listen to this, what I'm about to tell you. No matter your race, where you were born, the conditions of your birth, or your circumstances you were born into, you're never out of the reach of God's grace. Come on, somebody. God's grace brings meaning to your life. Your placement has a purpose. Somebody ought to thank God that you're just alive today. He gave you life. I don't care how you got here. It was God that gave you life. Give him thanks for it. Your placement has a purpose. I don't care where you were born. Your placement has a purpose. His grace aligns your current situation with your heavenly purpose. Well, I was born a coal miner's daughter. And I don't know the rest, but she lived in something holler. Somebody knows that singing. No, don't sing it. 
don't matter where you were born. God's grace. There are people that were born into the Muslim faith that have been saved. And God took them from their situation. Where they, I'm talking about devoutly taught to live that way until they met the grace of Jesus and their lives were changed. Did any of you hear some of this testimony that was going on at the prayer rally a few months ago, a couple months ago? Many stood up and said, I was born in this situation. I was born in this country, but I met Jesus. It changed my life. I met Jesus. It don't matter where, the, where you were placed. Just know his grace will align your current state with his heavenly purpose. And then the last two, stand with me if you will. Please. I give thanks to God for his mercy, for his grace, for his placement. And I give thanks to God for his provision. How many knows that God will make a way where there seemed to be no way? The word said in Matthew chapter 6, he said, don't worry about life, what you eat or what you'll drink, or about your body, what you'll put on. It's not life more than food and body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, but they gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Come on, somebody. We ought to give thanks to God for his provision. We take for granted the food we eat, the clothes on our back, the shoes on our feet, the roof over our head, even if it is just a camper for three months, two or three months. Don't we? Know that God will make a way. For his children, he'll, he'll make a way. He'll care for you. We ought to give thanks to God for that, not just on, on November, Thanksgiving, Thursday. We ought to give God thanks for this every day of our life. This is the grace of God and the love of God. And then finally, I want to thank the Lord for his mercy for his grace, for his placement, for his provision, and for his preparation. God said, I'm not only going to take through, care of you through this life, I got something coming that you ought to, you ought to prepare your heart for. Christ was giving assurance to his disciples as he neared death. In John chapter 14, he said these words to those who believed. He said, let not your heart be troubled. A troubled heart will hardly ever bring forth thanksgiving. Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you.
For I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also, and where I go you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said unto him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What he's saying is this, I'm going to prepare a place for you. There's going to be a place in heaven for those who believe in me and I am the door and if you want to enter heaven and spend eternity with me and the Father then you're going to have to go through me you're going to have to accept what I did on the cross you're going to have to allow my Holy Spirit to, to change your life to birth you into a, to the kingdom and to do a work in you and to make this journey walking in the Spirit this is what he is saying to them Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 4 John John said, this is after the fact of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. He is on the Isle of Patmos. Amen. And God gives him a vision that says, now I saw, John saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth, first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw that holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Preacher, why are you so loud? That's shouting material right there. Amen. The new Jerusalem. You talking about, do I need Jesus? Yes, you do. Because you're not going into this city unless you go through him. Unless you receive him. He said this city was coming out of heaven. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Oh, you talking about thinking, hey man, if life depresses you, look what's coming. If you're going through something, think about what God's got ready for us. If you're coming up in here, amen, to the house of God or in your home or living life, wherever you may be, living in that kind of oppression, turn your Bible to Revelation chapter 21 and read it over and over and over again and you'll begin to rejoice in the fact that this here is not the end. There's coming a better day. There's coming a brighter day. Oh, in everything, give thanks. Why? Because this ain't the end. Amen, there there's a beginning. They stoned Stephen, but he looked up and Stephen saw the Lord at the right hand of the Father. They could have killed him and they killed him, but when he left his body, he stood in the presence of his God. Don't you be discouraged. If you're a child of God today, lift your head and give him thanks and glory unto God. Come on, give him glory. Give him praise. Oh, God inhabits the praises of his people. If you haven't experienced the mercy of God today, every head bowed for a moment, please, every eye closed. If you haven't experienced the mercy of God, today's your day. Maybe you're looking 
through social media. Maybe you're here in this building today and the enemy is trying to remind you of all the wrong and trying to condemn you with all the guilt. Let me tell you what Jesus is doing. He's saying, I come to bring you mercy. I love you. I come to help you. The enemy wants to destroy you. I want to help you. Mercy is walking into your life right now. The Holy Spirit speaking to your soul. Will you respond to him? Will you, will you, if you're here and need to come to this altar and just kneel and say, Lord, I'm making an act, a public act of faith. I'm stepping out. I'm coming. I'm kneeling. Lord, I'm accepting this mercy you have for me. Lord, cleanse me of my sin. Lord, bring me into the kingdom by your shed blood. I need your mercy. And then I'm thankful today for his grace. Grace that gives me the strength to continue to press on and to make my journey. We need that grace that is sufficient for us because we in our own selves don't have the power. And then we are thankful today for where he placed us. Wherever you have been born, wherever you have lived life, whoever your family you were born into, no matter how you got there, God's grace will align your current situation with your heavenly purpose. And then finally, God will take care of you through provision, and we're to thank him for that. And God has prepared a place for us. Ain't that enough to thank him for? When you plant your feet under the table for Thanksgiving, think about this. If you know the Lord is your Savior, what if that's the last time you plant your feet up under that table to celebrate Thanksgiving? Come on now. What if the Lord comes back before the next one? Oh, we'll plant our feet around the table of God. And we're going to dine off a feast of celebration. Amen. Don't you know? Don't you know today that God is worthy of thanks? Don't you worry about what's happening and the trials and tribulations that come your way. You don't have to be thankful for the bad that comes and the evil that comes, but you must be thankful in it. And in the grace of God, through it. Father, I love you today. I want to ask you all over the church, those that would just come and stand and let's say a, uh, give a prayer together and come to this altar as we enter this Thanksgiving week. All of just come and just spread out and just stand. You don't have to kneel unless you absolutely want to. If you want to wear your mask, wear your mask. Don't be ashamed. If you don't want to come, pray where you're at. But God, we today come before your throne. We come to the altars. We pray from our hearts wherever we may be. 
on social media in our living rooms, God. On the sanctuary pews, God, we pray. We pray that you'll make us thankful for all the blessings of life. Father, if there's a heart of unthankfulness, God, that you would make it a thankful heart. For a thankful heart will bring praise and honor and glory to you. Lord, if there's a life, God, that has drifted today, who used to be thankful, God, but then life just overtook them, I pray that you would bring refreshing and renewing focus to their heart again. And Lord, that you would be glorified through thanksgiving in their life. Today, I pray that you would bless every family at SPHC, our community, and this nation. For many that will not be able to gather with family, but those that are able to gather with family, Lord, that you would, God, let this be a season, Father, like none other, that we celebrate God by sharing our faith. We celebrate Thanksgiving by sharing with our family and friends the faith we have in Jesus Christ. That it's more than just a prayer at the dinner table. That it becomes, a, uh, it becomes conversations that we have on our job and in our home and in the grocery store. Father, in the parking lot. It becomes, a, amen, a conversation that we have with one another. Thanksgiving unto you, Lord, with thankful hearts that share the hope that we have. Oh, God, I pray that you would let every turkey be blessed, every, every pot of dressing blessed. Lord, cranberry sauce, whatever they may have, sweet potato pie, oh, God, I pray, with every bite will be a heart of thanksgiving unto God. And for those, God, who may not have a Thanksgiving meal today, I pray that you'll make a way for them, provide for them. God, that you would, Lord, let literal a literal table of bounty be set before them Lord that they would experience the love and kindness of God in their life this season and come to know Christ as Savior Lord you be glorified for that Holy Ghost I pray that you would keep us full and on fire refresh us, sanctify us use us glorify God in us and we'll give you the praise in Jesus name and everybody said amen